And we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We concentrate on NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC. Uh, we also do the sports trivia, which is a small part at the end. But uh, today we are concentrating in still on the NBA free agency, which is very quite in- interesting. Along with the NFL season is coming about and the issues or maybe not issues that may be coming along with that. And Madden has just now released their ratings uh, for the players. But I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Mohammed, say something for him. Just want to say what's up to all the listeners. Thank you for everybody that's listening. That's definitely good things to do is listen to us. But um, we'll jump straight into it <laughs> uh, with the NBA free agency. Another bomb has dropped because, well, one person was on Castaway Island. That was Russell Westbrook. It looked like no one wanted him. But he has been traded to the Rockets, which – I previously said was stupid, but for Chris Paul, which changes the whole subject. We're not reuniting Westbrook with James Harden. Now, they are very ball-dominant people, but how do you see this coexisting between them two? It's, it's really hard to see, but just look at Chris Paul and James Harden. I know... Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook are two different players, but they do both handle the ball. I feel like this will be good and bad. It's You just really got to see it come together. I, I don't know. Um, it's, there's, there's no middle with this. It's either going to be really good or it's not going to be good at all. But I, I feel <laughs> like the, these two, they're going to find a way to work it out because they they they've worked together before. They knew each other for a very long time, played against each other in high school and everything, and they really like each other. Well, I I would agree, and I think a lot of people are being very pessimistic about the uh, situation. They wanted to be together again, and it was quite different because James Harden at that time was the sixth man of the year. He was nothing to being the star he is now. Uh, He was on the way, but no one knew how much more of a star than he was than Russell Westbrook uh, in, a, in certain, certain people's minds only. But uh, what's your guess on whether this was an upgrade or not? Do you think this is an upgrade for the Rockets? Uh, Russell Westbrook is definitely an upgrade from Chris Paul. Chris Paul, his talents have diminished, and he's just not the same player. He's still... Chris Paul is still a good player, but not like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, he's a different type of player than Chris Paul, but with that energy and athleticism, which probably won't last too much longer, it's an it's a huge upgrade. Yeah. I would definitely agree. You replace out someone four years younger. And as much as people like Chris Paul, uh, that is a definite upgrade for the Rockets. I didn't see the trade actually happening, uh, which is very crazy. But what do you think the issues, the biggest issues you worry about when it comes to these, this duo? Well, there's been so many memes, you know, with both of them grabbing the ball. But <laughs> I think it's really finding their role in the lineup 
Well, more Russell Westbrook because James Harden, he's already been there for years. But them kind of adapting to each other because James Harden has changed so much since the last time uh, him and Russell Westbrook have played together. It's really just adapting to each other's games so they can both succeed and get the championship that they really want. True. Very true. But everybody's starting off new. Uh, what story is in, new in that area? This duo is going to be very powerful because they are two of the last three MVPs of the league. Now, most people won't say that's big against the other duos that are in the league right now uh, coming up in upcoming 2019-2020 season. But uh, this duo can be very powerful. They built this team around James Harden, but... When it comes to this duo, I think it can work out. Like, uh, this this spreads the floor. With Chris Paul, they they really tended to be a team that would stop behind the three-point line, look at James, and either he went up and then late passed it to someone, or he took up the shot. He iso, iso, iso. That just seems to be James Harden's uh, game. Now, Russell Westbrook is not going to have an actual team. This is going to be very new for him. And I do worry about them being very ball-dominant because, actually, they are the most ball-dominant in the history of the NBA. Not just in the past couple years, but by the numbers. I'm serious. (laughs) Like, by the numbers, in history, they are number one and number two on uh, ball-dominant players. It's crazy. So it is going to be kind of hard sharing one ball. Yeah, that's that's true. But I also feel like you should you know every assist isn't created equally, but these guys mm-hmm. dish out assists. Yeah. So e- even though they do handle the ball a lot, I feel like they will be willing to pass. Yeah. His, uh, Russell Westbrook's uh, triple doubles are going to have to count for something. He's going to have to get 10 assists some way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, now, James Harden, he I think he tends to average around like seven to eight uh, like assists. But I'm actually more excited about the combo of Capella and Russell Westbrook. I think he hasn't had a center. Like, he's had a great center with Adams, Stephen Adams. But I don't think he's had the can jump really, really jump uh, type of uh, center. Okay, like like Capella? Yeah, like Capella, yeah. Yeah, and he also hasn't had a whole bunch of shooters. When you think about it, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were pretty limited as far as shooters. They had some people that could shoot, but they had to be wide open most of the time for them to make it. Yeah, you're definitely right. And on guess what? On the next episode of Castaway Island, guess who's on there now? It would be Chris Paul in his four-year, $160 million contract. Now, it seems like nobody really wants him, even though Oklahoma City Thunder have acquired him. Um, I, it's still funny with the rules on what I'm finding out on whether they have to keep him until December here, but they're still looking for a suitor for him. Uh, who do you think fits him best? Out of the league. Really? I I think Chris Paul could really fit anywhere. Anywhere that doesn't already have 
a, I wouldn't say top point guard, but you know, mid tier point guard. He could fit. Limited, okay, well, <laughs> well who's available? The thing about it is, I do think that Jimmy Butler's on this. I'm going to stand alone in Miami thing until it's the absolute perfect fit. And I don't really see many people fit and win him right now. I don't think he cares for the championship race specifically right now. He'd rather have the franchise. He's one of the few that's opting out of the let's, let's group up to win in a way. I just think that's slightly as mental and he picked the actual area to get off track. But when it comes to Chris Paul, I think there are actually limited options for him because of his age and his contract. His contract has him at 40 more years, 164 million, and he is 34 years old currently. And his injuries have been an issue for countless uh, playoffs where they don't, they can make it, they made it pretty far with the Rockets, but it's been a, a very big issue when it comes to him. So not a lot of people are trying to make that, take that risk. Yeah, um, I always thought it was inevitable every time when they needed him that he would get injured because you can just look at whenever he was on the Clippers. I think the past two or three seasons in the playoffs, Chris Paul got hurt when they needed him the most. His best playoff series was probably the one where, you know, he lost to the Rockets. (laughs) That (laughs) leading up to that where they went up, up against the Spurs in seven games. And then they went up against the Rockets, which they should have beaten the Rockets. Um, they had them 3-1, but well, um, that was a terrible loss. Yeah, I guess that ended their dynasty on that end, I, whatever you want to call Lob City, because they no longer exist. Uh, they were actually starting to call uh, a nickname for the Clippers Lock City, but we'll see whether that sticks. Um, Clamp, but Clamp City. The- that, that, that's City, a better name. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. It's the Clippers. But we'll see what uh, actually sticks. I, but to answer the question, I think CP is fit best really with the Bucks. Out of all teams that are really available and look like any real prospect, because I've actually thought about this kind of deeply uh, on which one. And I looked over every single team, and I was just like, oh, my God, it's not many fits for him, especially with contending teams. The only good contending team that can actually take on his contract and actually be a good fit is the Bucks. Now, you can maybe say the Knicks, the 76ers, Minnesota, uh, the Magic, or Toronto, but I think those are all still bad choices when it comes to Chris Paul. Knicks, they're not going anywhere. Minnesota, he's going to bully Carl Anthony Towns. 76ers, they're not going to want him to be a starter. The Toronto... Uh, I don't think they care for another dominant personality right now. And uh, Magic, they're slightly young. So maybe that's the only other second best option for him. It's very li- very limited in the league for him. Well, I, how does he fit with the Bucks? Because they already have a point guard. Yeah, I, I say you trade Bledsoe. You trade for Bledsoe. Do, do you think that's a, a fair trade? I mean, you're taking on a huge contract with... Uh, player that is steadily declining and True, always getting hurt. But he less demand in Minnesota. They can actually play out a low management type of deal with him, and I think he is a floor general. I don't see uh, the only real floor general 
and when it comes to Milwaukee Bucks, would it would be honest, and he shouldn't be. I mean, I guess, but so where is Eric Bledsoe going to go? He's going to the Thunder. I don't, yeah. I don't see how this deal works. I'm guessing that he just stays with the Thunder for now, and I don't know. Is he doesn't have too many options. He still is a good player, but he's probably not going to go somewhere that he wants to. I think the the Thunder are done doing favors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't know whether they're done doing favors because they're they're racking, they're, they're putting all their stock in the future right now, and they got a lot of pieces for it. So I can't say that they're wrong. They, they the pieces that they currently have were kind of expiring in their own hands. But do you think Chris Paul is washed up? Yeah, if you're looking for that all-star Chris Paul, yes, he's definitely washed up. But he's not to the point where he can't play anymore. He's not on Carmelo Anthony's level, at least for right now. We'll see. But he's he's still a good player. Yeah, I, I think he's still a good player, but uh, he's not washed up, but it's not a high demand for his contract. His age... So it's it's going to be hard for him to get a really good contract. Now, when it comes to the OKC Thunder, how do you we're going to move on to the next segment, which is legacy. And it is a end of an, another era. It's the end of the era of the old OKC. And I'm talking about the Russell Westbrook, the Kevin Durant, James Harden, Serge Ibaka, OKC, because none of those players currently play for them anymore. And they drafted these players, and three of them in consecutive years. Um, these are future Hall of Famers. Now, the, they went to the finals in 2011-2012 season uh, in the they went in the West Western Division against the Miami Heat, the LeBron Miami Heat, and they lost in five games, four to one. Uh, now. There was always hope that they would make it there, even if it was just with Westbrook. But none of those players are now still with that team. So how do you view that era of OKC? And do you think OKC got the most out of these future Hall of Famers? To answer that first question, no, they did not get the most out of those players. Because when you got all of that talent, just looking at where they are now, you got to win at least one championship. They definitely didn't reach their highest point. But yep. I, I think that these players, they all left the really big legacy back at um, OKC. They were the only team to get to the finals for the OKC Thunder. And as far as where they've gone now, they their jerseys should be all retired. Now, Russell Westbrook, his will probably be the first one to be retired. But yeah. I, I think those other ones, they also deserve to be retired. I don't know whether they will retire Kevin Durant. It might be due to legacy type things. We want to be a part of uh, the greatness that is him type of thing. Uh, but I also think like he, I mean, he did play there for a while. Yeah. And he, I mean, he did great things for them. I would agree, but it could feel a little salty. About I mean, but, but time will like, heal. 
Tom Will, yeah, I agree. I think it might be a uh, it's a greatness of you type of thing. Like uh, shortly after he retired, they want to be somewhere in the mix of other people who retire his jersey. Uh, even though Golden State, for some reason, has already said they're going to retire his jersey. Uh, I, don't, I don't get that already. Uh, very quick, quick to the uh, gun on that one. Now, hey, but, I, yeah. I have one thing to mention. Um, I don't know how true the report was, but they said that Kevin Durant didn't even speak to the Nets um, team before yeah. going there. Yeah, like, that's he he feels that badly about Golden State that he was just gonna leave no matter what. Yeah, that is a true statement. Uh, I did hear the same thing, uh, but uh, I would say he was, you know, Kevin Durant's emotional. We know this, and he wanted to be first at the gun. Um, he thought he can take all of the shine by doing that first. Uh, hey, I'm going to announce first. Uh, I don't think he's really one for the long game. He's not a Kawhi at all. Uh, so he was so gun-shy that he thought that any team that suited him uh, earlier, I guess before then, even though they're not supposed to because of the whole free agency thing, uh, I mean the whole rules of free agency, uh, but because they, he knew they were interested, he knew they were going to accept it. And he simply just, I think he was very quick to it also. He just he just did it and forgot to actually notify them. He just thought they would automatically be happy, like they would find out and they were happy like it was a lottery. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it worked for him. Yeah, but it worked. But that, that just makes me look back on was it that bad being on the Warriors that you just didn't care? Well, I I don't think it was like that. I think it was because cause he worked out a, a signing trade. He didn't have to do that for them. He Actually, I'll give you a more petty story about that exact same stuff. So uh, uh, Kevin Durant wouldn't let them do the signing trade straight up for him and D'Lo for D'Angelo Russell. So he made them give a first-round pick to the Nets because so that it doesn't look like they traded him straight up, even though the contracts are different, just so it didn't look like he got traded straight up. Yeah, probably because he was thinking, he's not on my level. Don't make it yeah. seem like we switching spots. True, but, but that's extremely petty. See, nobody cared. <laughs> nobody I mean, cared. Who really cared? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it's different actually being the NBA. I didn't even think of it like that when I uh, say sign and trade. I, I just didn't think of it like, oh, he traded him for he traded the other guy. I just see it as, oh, it was a benefit for the team who traded away the, the more valuable player. But uh, I don't know. Um, and also, I think it's stupid. Extremely stupid. This is why uh, emotional is going to sit with emotional in this situation when I'm talking about the marriage between the Nets and Kevin Durant now. But it's stupid for them to even come out and say that uh, they never spoke to Kevin Durant before he announced it. Like, that's just putting him out there and making you snitch on yourself for what? Why? (laughs) Well, he did announce it 
right before the timeline. So maybe there was some type of rules they were trying to dodge. They weren't trying to get a penalty. So they're really just lying about saying that he didn't. So they, they put it out there. I think they're just more stupid on the other end. Well, it doesn't matter. He's still on the team. So <laughs> they all yeah, got what they yeah. want. Either way, either way, they're, they're married together now. And I don't think he's going to get a championship now because I think the league got a little bit harder for him. I really do. Uh, and just to, to mention that, I am moving on to another segment that we're going. I'm going to call duo. Now, with these ganging up of new type of teams, it's not super teams. It's duo teams. And I want to know who's the best duo in the league. I'm going to give you a few of the top heavy duos because it's not a, a lot. It's it's less than I actually thought, but. Who do you think is actually the best duo in the league? And uh, I have LeBron and Anthony Davis play for the Lakers. Uh, the Kawhi and Paul George, who's now going to be playing for the Clippers of Los Angeles. Kevin Durant and Kyrie, which is will be playing for the New York Nets. Russell Westbrook and James Harden, which will be together at the Rockets. Damian Lillard and C.J. McCullough. Cullum, who played for Portland Trail Blazers, Steph, Steph Curry and Clay slash D'Lo, the D'Angelo Russell, because we don't know when Clay's going to come back. And then we have Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Who do you think is really the top duo at this time? On paper, the top duo is LeBron and Anthony Davis, because they are in the top five as far as ranking them like compared to all the other players they're top five and i think they will i mean lebron he can work with anybody so they will be a great pairing it it really doesn't matter who else they have around them um but i'm still going to say the clippers are the better team but the anthony davis and um lebron james are the better duo Okay, I can slightly agree with you because I'm going to say that the Lakers are the better team. But oh, And I would say that Anthony Davis and LeBron are the better duo. I think, they get, I think it kind of goes hand-in-hand in, hand in this situation because when it comes to player efficiency, there's only one person who is above LeBron. That would be Jordan. And, he had, and LeBron has a 2, 27.91 player efficiency. Guess who's right behind him? Anthony Davis. And this is in the history, uh, like the history of the NBA. He's number three. These two players are already number two and number three for player efficiency. And that just to tell you, the, uh, out of the five, the last two names under that would be Shaq is right up under Anthony Davis. And then you have David Robinson, who used to play for the Spurs. That's uh, great numbers. Okay. Um, also want to say who on that list of players that you just went down mm-hmm. has not had any success as far as winning? I would say Anthony Davis. Uh, well, well which actually, is true. <laughs> actually not winning because I think this is based on mostly the regular season. And if you have limited time in the uh, playoffs, I guess it leads you to have limited amount of losses in a way because player efficiency, I think deals with how well the team works around you and wins. I'm not sure how that relates to wins, but it, it, it deals with uh, 
how well people play and score with you on the on the court. Okay, well, I, I guess Anthony Davis, his teams didn't do that well with him, as you can see, as far as the wins and losses that he's had over his career. <laughs> do you not like LeBron? <laughs> you said, do I not like LeBron? <laughs> no, I said the brow, the brow, the brow. Oh, oh, the brow. Um, no, I, I, I like Anthony uh, Davis. Anthony Davis. I, I like Anthony Davis. I, I'm just pointing out a fact. He has not won anything. Um, not even if you probably average his wins and losses, he might be 500. I mean, his, his teams haven't gone anywhere in the Western conference. Okay. Okay. I, I would I give you that. I definitely do give you that. A lot of people are giving him big, big, uh, props without the success playoffs but we do blame that on he lost uh having the marcus cousins but now he has that back along with a couple of the players that he used to play with as a, a starter uh together so i think it will work pretty well when they're over there in the la sun but uh just to kind of draw it back in out of these duos that i listed out before and if you want to i can rename them but which one is most likely to lose in the first round of the playoffs is it going to be LeBron and the Lakers, Anthony Davis, Kawhi and Paul George, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie? So we're going to think just one year ahead when it comes to that team. Um, Westbrook, Westbrook and Harden, or and I'm going to give you, I'm only give you five because not everybody can make it to the second round. Uh, so we'll leave Steph and Clay. So it's Golden State. So which one is like more likely to? lose in the first round because one has to go at least <laughs> uh, I hate to say it I gotta be unbiased but James Harden Russell Westbrook they will be the most they will be yeah. most likely to lose in the Ooh. first round I hate to say it I, I'm, I'm being unbiased with this that's the team that uh-huh. I actually want to win but they are they're a wild card you, you just don't know so they gotta be thrown out. Um, Steph and Clay, they've played together for many years and they've had success, of course. LeBron, he can work with anybody, so I'm pretty sure he can get past the first round. Kawhi and Paul George, I'm thinking that they can work work together really well because I think that they have the better team uh, over the Lakers and they should be number one in the West going into next year. So. Russell Westbrook and James Harden, they have to be the one that lose in the first round. I don't want that to happen. I don't actually think that's going to happen. But when we just comparing it to all these other ones that have already worked together or have that potential, they'll be the one that's thrown out. Yeah, I would have to agree, even though it's sad. They are two, like I said before, two of the last three MVPs of the league on one team with a actually a pretty well-built team around uh, these players Uh, because when it comes to Russell Westbrook, he's just a plug-in player at this point in a great system. It's already a great system. He hasn't had these players for a while. Well, he's had some caliber players. It's just, it's weird to kind of play it out because he definitely had Paul George. He's had Steven Adams. He's had Serge Ibaka. He's had Kevin Durant. So it's hard it's very hard to say uh, when it comes to them. So they are a wild card. 
Yeah, and I would also say that after Kevin Durant left, um, Serge Ibaka was traded. So he never got to play with Serge Ibaka without Kevin Durant because they traded Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo and one other player. And look at it, Victor Oladipo. He's over here being the main star in Indiana. But, oh, actually, just to go uh, off on a side note, did you know that Indiana actually drafted Kawhi and Paul George? Yes, I, I heard about that. But they never played together at the same time on that no, team. Nope, but they could have if they handled their assets right. They could have. Uh, but to kind of move it on, we're going to move on to a new sport, uh, which is going to be football. Not a new sport, but we're kind of going to get a, dig a little bit more into this sport. Uh, so this segment is Word on the Street. Now, Word on the Street is there's really, really, really big news when it comes to the NFL that not a lot of people are fully talking about. But the NFL is looking at an idea of having an 18-game season with a 16-game limit for each player. So for me to kind of explain that a little bit deeper, right now the the length of the season is 16 games. It has been 16 games for a good long while. Uh, But when it comes to the preseason, there are at least four preseason games. People have called for those games to uh, mean more, so it cut down on how much players are involving in injuries. Now, with this new idea, you're going to have to sit at a minimum two games of a season, which I think is quite problematic. But do you think that this is a good eye for the league? I think more games is good, but you're going to ask players that could be healthy to sit out two games. That's just not going to work. I really don't see that happening. Like what happens with a quarterback? You're just going to tell him, no, you can't play. Well, that's what they're saying. Like they're saying that that's going to force the play, the coaches to have to play these backups more. So they're actually earning their check and there's more football, which means now the backup quarterback is going to also have to play. I think that's just going to water down the product where you're going to have to show these backup quarterbacks that are backups for a reason. And it's it's just not going to be a good product because once as far as the preseason, most teams, they play their starters, maybe one or two series in those first few games to kind of get them to fill out the game after being away for so long. And then there's backups for the rest of the game. And you're going to get more of the backups with this new 18-game regular season that they're trying to get. So I I don't see that really working. People don't want to watch a watered-down product. Yeah, I would agree. Now, before I fully answer, do you think that this is going to improve the overall health and careers of the NFL players if they went went to this system? No, it's not. <laughs> People are still going to get hurt. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't think it's going to actually help. It'll <laughs> probably expose more players to playing and, like you said, earn their check. But it's it's not going to reduce the injuries. Football what? is just 
a collision sport and people are just going to get hurt. So when I actually wanted to wait on answering this because it, I wanted to see whether you led down the same road I led down on this one. Now, I think it's going to actually increase the injuries in the NFL because now you're asking a starting offensive lineman to sit out and let's say you have a starting great defensive lineman like Sam Donald who's going to rip through your second string offensive lineman and hurt your starting quarterback or it's it's many scenarios where that goes extremely wrong and it's going to mess up records uh now you're asking teams to pretty much dumpster fire two games if they don't like their uh backup quarterback because this is a quarterback very driven league so let's say you're having an undefeated season and you have these two games where you have to deal with the backup quarterback actually i think it's going to make it to where every starter or important player would not play in the same games. So actually the product would be a whole lot worse. Yeah, I agree. I I agree that it'll be watered down. But one thing that I think would have to happen is they would have to expand the roster because you can't just have a 52-man roster like they have in the 16-game regular season, if you're going to add on two games and you're expecting the backups to um, come in because they can't play every game. But, yeah. I mean, this it, it'll probably create more opportunity for more players to play, but the product is just going to be watered down. Yes, and I think this might spell the... I, I, you know, I, I'm over here pessimistic about the NFL. I just think it's in a de- decline overall. But uh, just to go on that idea of strike, we have Melvin Gordon of the San Diego Chargers who says, pay me or trade me. He's the running back, running back of the San Diego Chargers, which they do have a very short shelf life on their careers. And he's saying, you need to either pay me or trade me. Do you think he's right by demanding to get paid more? Well, at this point, it's it's kind of hard to say. He still is young. He still has some good years in him. But it's it's really a position that gets weared down easy. And now in the NFL, you can do it by committee. You can have specialists for running backs. Yeah. You got one that's a bruiser that can go on those first two downs, and then that you can, you can get your third Look down back. Yeah. yeah, you can get your third down back that can catch passes out of the backfield because you know it's all about passing. So Darren Sproles. Yeah, Darren Sproles. Well, Alvin Kamara. Uh, yeah. That's a, a new version of that. Um, he he does everything, and yeah. Melvin Gordon. He actually has had some injuries, which have messed him up. So I, I don't know if he's in a good spot right now as far as pay him or trade him. Well, yeah, I, I he's not in a great position, which tends to be my uh, slightly my issue with the NFL and the system uh, that they have going on with the player uh, and owner relationship. But to keep going down that same road, Ezekiel Elliott is – Thinking about going the Le'Veon Bell way, which I'm referring to sitting out a year 
to get a contract extension because, as we say, running back uh, life in the NFL is very short. He's a very top. If not the – he's debatable for the first because you have Saquon Bar- Barkley, who I would say is number one over him, but it's arguable <laughs> whether he's the number one uh, running back in the league. But he's, he's saying he also wants to be paid. Do you think that these players, these NFL players, have the same demand power as the NFL, the NBA players have with their contracts? No, they definitely don't. Um, NFL contracts are way worse than NBA, mainly because you can get hurt on any play. I mean, you still can in basketball, but it's just more likely in, in football. But as far as Ezekiel Elliott, I think he he can make a good case for sitting out because the Cowboys really rely on him. If they don't have him, their offense is, I'm not going to say trash, but it's, they will not be good without him. (laughs) So they they really need him. And I'm pretty sure within these next few years, they're trying to make a run at a Super Bowl. Um, And they they really can't afford to just let him sit out a whole year. So I, I think he makes a good case for this because he's right here in his prime, maybe 23, 24, I'm not sure, somewhere around there. But he, he'll he make a good case, and I'm pretty sure they're going to pay him. Yeah, uh, I think they're going to pay him also, but that's only because they feel they need him. I think that's a temporary position to be in. So he is quite right by saying or threatening to sit out a year, which they cannot afford to have, especially when they have other players they're playing, uh, they're paying, along with Jason Witten, who's randomly coming back and also going to be a starter, just to be random uh, about starter. it all. Yeah, 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 he's <laughs> going to be a starter. Oh, you didn't know that? He comes back and he's going to be a starter. He sat out for a full year. <sighs> he's so slow. On, uh, what, NFL Live or whatever, what was it, Monday night? He was horrible. He, on whatever yeah, night. Monday night football. <laughs> what? Horrible. But that, I guess that's why he went back to uh, football. Mm, no, he, he's so slow. He's like, a good old boy. He's a good old boy with Jerry. He's not going to give up his good old boys. Hey, shoot, he didn't want to give up on Romo. No, he didn't. Uh, Romo just kept getting hurt too much. I don't He's think bad. he... Yeah, I, I don't think Tony Romo was that bad of a quarterback. I actually think he was no, quite he was good. good. Yeah, yeah he, he was a great. I, I'm not going to go too far no, no, as by, far by as great. Stats, by stats. Okay, okay, yeah. He he has some good statistical games. But um he he just got too many back injuries. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh so yeah, going with that theme with back injuries, with head trauma, with um the addiction to opiates that the NFL players have after their their years of being in the NFL, which is slightly short-lived for the majority of the NFL players. Do you think the NFL cares about their players' overall health? Um, maybe a certain, to a certain degree. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> they only care about really getting that money and getting those uh, endorsements like Nike and uh, Papa John's. I, I think, I don't know. I don't know if they still have that thing with Papa John's because of that whole controversy. But they do. they're all about making money. Yeah. The, yeah. the NFL is all about making money, just like the NBA. But the NBA is more progressive. 
the NFL is more reactive. They only react to certain situations after there's an outcry for that problem, as in the case for these domestic violence things. um, The NFL always underreacts rather than overreact. The only thing they overreact to is weed. (laughs) It's um, they they really need to change. But but let uh, Howie Long's uh, son let him tell it, and everything's all good. It's not a, a problem in the world when it comes to marijuana and NFL because he's already said he's a avid user, but he's also retired. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure he was doing it while he was playing. Oh yeah, he's yeah, but, confirmed it. Yeah, but he retired, so um, yeah. So what you gonna didn't. do? Yeah, yeah, they already made him. <laughs> <laughs> so. He he said, as they all know, it's about it's a are you smart test when it comes to a drug test in the NFL because you know when it's going to happen and it's no reason why you shouldn't be passing it. Uh, they it actually we were really going off subject because I didn't plan on this being about marijuana, but they actually feel that a source of relief for pain and therapy than these opiates that they are actually given and painters to numb the pain which they are constantly actually addicted to after their uh their actual careers. I mean if if marijuana helps them, I mean <laughs> let them go ahead. It's all but, for but, them. Yeah. yeah. But I think you have to control how much you give them. You can't just let them just do however much they want. And another thing is Yeah, another thing is that marijuana isn't legal everywhere, so that's another hurdle. And that's why I think the NFL still hasn't yeah, gone I to would, the, the yeah, lengths of making it legal in the NFL. I would definitely agree. So just to move on to a lighter note, Madden has released their ratings for the 2020 edition. And four other players have a 99 rating, and which is a very high standard for a player, an NFL player to have on the Madden official game. Now, off gate, I'm going to ask you, who do you think what at least one of those players are? Well, I think Aaron Donald is probably a 99. Although I don't think he deserves to be a 99. Tom Brady's 99. And I don't know. Maybe Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, one of those. I'm not sure. That's That's my guess. Well. I'd say you got one right. You did get at least one, one out of the four. Uh, But it is going to be three defensive players and only one offensive player in this situation. And to start off, it is Aaron Donald. He does have a 99 rating on a 2020 edition of Madden NFL. Uh, But you forgot about Khalil Mack with the Bears. He also has a 99 rating, which he did deserve it, according to his last year. Uh, and how much he affected the Bears and the Raiders not having him. And then you have Bobby Wagner. He's the third 99 player who plays for the Seahawks. Okay. And who's the uh, offensive player? Now, the offensive player is going to be DeAndre Hopkins on the Tennessee Titans. No, not the Tennessee Titans. Sorry, the uh, Texans. What? He's a 99? Yeah. Yeah, they got him as a 99. I was actually thinking it was Patrick Mahomes uh, when I heard the uh, 99 players. I really did think it was going to be Patrick Mahomes. No, that's going way too far. 
<laughs> he was quite unstoppable, and I could see by video game standards, put making him a 99. And which because he actually reminds me most of what Vic out of players. Michael Vic, Vic who can, yeah, who can put, who can really throw, throw better because Vic can throw. Vic could really throw, but he's just uh, Patrick Mahomes more accurate. Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes was unstoppable at the beginning of the season. But did you see him in the AFC Championship? I mean, he only threw for like 30 yards in the first half, so he's not unstoppable. No, no, but, I didn't say he's unstoppable, but if these other players didn't win championships, because none of these other four players won championships in these past in this past year, they shouldn't get a 99 because they're not affecting their team enough to to by that standard. Just saying by that standard, uh, none of them won a championship or were effective enough to win the championship. Now, maybe Aaron Donald, because he got there. Yeah, but, but it's it's harder to judge them on championships because in football, you it's way more of a team sport than the NBA. Yeah. But um, as far as DeAndre Hopkins being on 99, that means Madden thinks that he's the best receiver. Yeah, they made him a 99 and married uh, many different categories, which made him a overall 99. I guess his route running speed. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure all of the measurements of what we're going at, but I'm guessing he's about perfect according to the game on every one of them. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure our brother Khalifa is happy about oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah. He, um, DeAndre that. Hawkins. He's got hands like that dude can catch. He he makes amazing catches on a regular basis. But and, I'm surprised. And, well, yeah, I, I I'm very surprised also that they put uh, put him as that player who would make it 99. Uh, but it had me thinking about other other years where Madden had 99 players, and just these are some stats that may interest you. Uh, now, when it comes to the 2000 edition of the Madden, we had not two 99 players, which was going to was Deion Sanders and Barry Sanders. They were both a 99 and 2000 uh, when it comes to the game. Uh, you, following that, 2002 with Marshall Falk, Warren Sapp, and Ray Lewis. Uh, they also, all three of them also were a 99 in the 2003 version along with Michael Strahan. Uh, 2004 was Terrell Owens and Brian Dawkins. 2006, Peyton Manning, Randy Moss. Uh, when it comes to the 2007 season, he uh, Ed, Ed Reed was on there for three straight years as a, as a 99. You have Brian Erlocker in 2008 along with LaDamian Thomason. 2011, Drew Brees, Chris Johnson, Patrick Willis, Troy Palomalu in 2012, J.J. Watt for about three years for uh, from 2014. But it really made me think, like, overall, who do you think was the best 99 ever? And you well, don't have to go off my list because there were others. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if he was rated at a 99, but Michael Vick in the 2004 Madden game, he was unstoppable. 
he should have definitely been rated as a 99 with the way that you could play with him. Like, Michael Vick was elusive, fast, and can throw the ball in that game. I, I just remember playing Madden 04 and just throwing the ball up to Algie Crumpler, <laughs> the mm-hmm. tight end for um, the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And Michael Vick was amazing on that game. Yeah, and I would say exactly the same because I I was really having that conversation with people at work wondering who the best 99 would be. And everybody was thinking, of course, Michael Vick. That, that's just your first thought. But guess what? Michael what? Vick was actually not rated a 99 ever in Madden. And not that 2004 season. And that is the Madden that everybody knows as him being the greatest. Yeah, he was great on that game. I, I don't see why he wasn't a 99. They made it seem like he was. When it comes to the standards, when they list it online and everything, he is actually, even though he was not rated a 99 in 2014, he is still known as the best 99 ever. I know they made him unstoppable in that game. He can run always. Nobody can catch you. He was extremely fast. He could throw, and it was just amazing play with Vic in the 2000 edition. Yeah, he was definitely amazing. And that's that's the most memorable 99 or close to 99 for me. I, I would definitely agree. But we're in the episode here and we're going to meet you on the other side. So we're moving on to the trivia part where your guess is about as good as mine. Uh, and it's going to be three questions, all multiple choice. And go ahead, Mohammed. The first question. Which of the following current NFL players played on the same college team together? A. Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas. B. Patrick Mahomes and Nick Chubb. Or C. Todd Gurley and Carson Wentz. Well, that's actually pretty hard. I'm trying to think. But I really, I don't know. I don't know whether I know this one or not. I got to think about it a little bit. Repeat the question and answer again. Which of the following current NFL players played on the same college team together? A, Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas. B, Patrick Mahomes and Nick Chubb. Or C, Todd Gurley and Carson Wentz. Hmm. I'm really not sure. I would be purely guessing on this one. I've kind of checked out on football, but it is coming up very soon, so we're going to get a little bit more detailed in the NFL because the preseason is coming up very soon. Uh, But one more last time with the question and answer, and then I'm going to go ahead and straight out and answer it. Which of the following current NFL players played on the same college team together? A. Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas, B, Patrick Mahomes and Nick Chubb, or C, Todd Gurley and Carson Wentz? Hmm. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to choose C. (laughs) Sticking with that, if you don't know the answer, is C? Eh, I was just thinking C. (laughs) I just hoping. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's wrong. (laughs) It's A, Ezekiel Elliott and Michael Thomas. They both played at Ohio State. 
I'm not even sure who the second guy is, but <laughs> ah, come on, you should know who Michael Thomas is. He he's uh, with the Saints. That he caught like oh, how close to like over 100 passes. No, no, he's a wide receiver. Uh, no, I don't see. It. Yeah, I don't know who he is. Then. <laughs> Man, he he is a great receiver. <laughs> he's he's probably <laughs> top five right now. Eh, Just I tell you, l- l- look part. up his stats. Look up his stats. <laughs> <laughs> so, just last year, Michael Thomas had 125 receptions for 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. That's a very good season. He they don't use him for touchdowns, but that's a very good season. Yeah, but they pass the ball to him a lot. Drew Brees, he's yeah. he's the main target. He's Michael Thomas and Kamara. Mm, no, he's not a possession receiver. <laughs> he isn't? No, he averaged 11.2 yards a catch. Uh, okay. But, uh, all right. So, uh, go ahead and go with second question. Okay. What college team did Kevin Durant play for? A, Oklahoma, B, Texas, or C, Arizona? Hmm. I definitely know that one. <laughs> That's not. Uh, it would possibly be hard for somebody else because it's not a heavily popular school, but that's giving you a hint. <laughs> but go ahead and uh, repeat the question and answer again. What college team did Kevin Durant play for? A, Oklahoma, B, Texas, or C, Arizona? Mm. And I might have made it complicated for you. I might not have made it complicated for you. Maybe you know the answer. <laughs> I definitely do. <laughs> I mean, really, just looking at it, I don't think most of these college teams make make it that far in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. So, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like some people would know. Like, I don't know. I don't know who would know, but I definitely know. <laughs> but like, one last time. Question and answer. What college team did Kevin Durant play for? A, Oklahoma, B, Texas, or C, Arizona? And I'll go ahead and answer. I'm telling you it's Texas. Texas Longhorns. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) I threw you one right there. Yeah. Okay. I, it could have been hard, depending if you really didn't pay attention to him in college, because who thinks of the Longhorns as a nobody? Nobody, yeah, exactly. But and, they did have a college basketball game, and he was on the cover of that. Yeah, he was. He was. So it just depends on whether people, I guess, were alive for that time or paying attention. Yeah. So last question: Which of the following wide receivers? were not a part of the 2013 Broncos Super Bowl team. A, Eric Decker, B, Emmanuel Sanders, or C, Wes Welker. Oh. And you said so, the 2013, no, okay. 2013 Broncos Super Bowl team. So this is the one where they got destroyed by Seattle. Hmm. And wait, wait, so who got destroyed by Seattle? The Broncos. 
Broncos. Okay. In 2013. So they, okay. So they went to the Super Bowl, but they didn't win. No. You you don't remember okay. the Super Bowl? Kind of. Uh, <laughs> is it Our, a Peyton Manning one? Yeah. Hmm. I guess he went twice. Yeah, he went twice. With uh, Broncos. I, I, felt, I, I don't know why I thought he only went once with the Broncos. But, yeah, yeah. This this is whenever he threw fifty five touchdowns in a season. Oh, this was an amazing season. He actually did great, but that was the last of his great seasons. Uh, he had one more good year after that. No, he was throwing ducks. In twenty fourteen, he he did good. Did he? Don't yeah, because he had twenty fourteen was his last. Years. Go ahead. Years with uh with Denver. So, I think he started with Denver in 2012. Mm-hmm. And how long did he go before he retired? Was it three years or two years? He retired in 2015. So, three years? Well, it's 2015-2016 season. You know, like... Okay, the, the, I got you. Okay. So, I'll repeat the question. Which of the following wide receivers were not a part of the 2013 Broncos Super Bowl team. A, Eric Decker, B, Emmanuel Sanders, or C, Wes Welker? Hmm. Ah, I think think this is a little hard because I think you're misleading me here. Uh, on on like by putting players who play for Denver but weren't on that that year's team. Um, so I'm gonna say it's A. A. Eric Decker. Yeah, even though it's possibly wrong there. Yes, that is wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought so because it sounded like he was on that team. I really that was one of the names I really did identify with that. I just thought you were tricking me. The answer is Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, I, I thought they'd go with B, but I felt like you had too many answers that were B. Yeah, actually. Yeah, the the yeah. one before was was uh, B. <laughs> B. That's why I was like, uh, I don't think it's B again, but okay. Uh, let me go against what I think it is. But hey, one for three. So uh, we had fun, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Uh, for our next episode, we're going to dig into more of the preseason for NFL, and maybe we'll get more news on where Chris Paul will land, and maybe it's another person stranded on on Castaway Island, and maybe there'll be another person on Castaway Island, but we'll see you next time. This has been So You Think You Know Sports. Good night. <laughs>